so I'm enjoying myself right now. My oldest has randomly decided to uh, get into Ninja Turtles. Oh, yeah. What a win. I'm super excited. So what a win. Yeah, we're going deep into the 2012 animated series. Okay. And uh, yeah, I love it. It's fantastic. It's not very often. Like I had my youngest watching Transformers with me for like a minute, but like this yeah, one, I she, mean that, like, that's about what the attention span will hold at that age. Yeah, but this one, she's all in on this Ninja Turtles thing, and I'm like, sweet. Like, how many different versions can I get her into before I before I lose her? <laughs> yeah, yeah, gotta seize those opportunities when they present themselves. No exactly. doubt about it. And I'm like, I can't wait to watch. Like, I just want to watch the 80s movie, you know, like the real life movie. Yeah. Like the foam suits. They're like, out of all the technology that they've done, like they have not done Ninja Turtles better than that movie in the 80s, in my opinion. That's true. Well, I I think it's because like they just sort of leaned into the limitations of it Mm -hmm. as opposed to like all of the CGI versions and stuff really, really feels like. They were convinced that if they tweaked just one or two more things, they would look super realistic. Yeah. And so instead, you just end up kind of uh, grotesque. Yeah, like, they're these giant turtle monsters. Like, they don't, like, they're not lovable at all. Uh, yeah. <sighs> I mean, I will say, watching facial expressions take 30 seconds to happen on the yeah. uh, old foam rubber ones. Yeah. That's still a delight for me. <laughs> Yeah, there's, there's nothing uh, wrong with He's starting with it. to smile. He's working on it. <laughs> it's, oh, man. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. Anyway, so yeah. All right, all right. Let's hit an intro and jump into it. Welcome to the podcast, Blue Collar Scholars. Not long ago, a group of brilliant minds met together at a pub to discuss their unfinished works. They recognized the value of coming together around delicious beverages and having meaningful conversations. That group was known as the Inklings. The Inkle Do Podcast here, we're working to be the second iteration of that group. So, pour yourself a craft beverage, pull up a chair, and join the conversation. All right, you had anything uh, good recently? Yeah, uh, not something that is new to me by any stretch, but, um, you know, so for Father's Day this past Sunday, Mm -hmm. kind of my deal is I go over to my folks' place, I buy some steak and some uh, sides, Mm. and I I run Mm -hmm. the grill for the day. Oh, nice. uh, And... Yeah, so while I was grilling and then eating the meal and everything, celebrating my dad, uh, I had a Ballast Point, uh, their Hazy IPA. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the last time I had that was probably um, back in April or May, whenever we had our Laughlin trip, I think was mm-hmm. the last time that I had had one of those. But man, you know what? Yesterday was one of the, like, shockingly rare this year 100 plus degree days yeah um and like felt the heat but the the hazy still worked really nice on that you know Mm -hmm. as opposed to like just a pure resin ipa some of the citrus and all that kind of stuff really kind of helps on a on a hot day um but yeah no it was real good nothing too exciting No, but still, that's a solid one. And I got to be honest, man. Like, I can't – the idea of going back to, like, a regular West Coast IPA just doesn't even make sense to me anymore. Like, It would have to be a pairing situation for me, honestly. There's just not the flavor. Like, 
who just goes in and is like, I just want to chew on tar. You know, like (laughs) there's, you know, like the, the hazies just have so much more, more, a robust flavor profile than the West coasts do, you know, like there's, they're like hints instead of like competing with the, with the hops, you know? Yeah. What I would say, I I think for me, if I was going to be doing the, the, like a straight up just West coast IPA, which honestly those are getting harder and harder to find, even if you wanted them anymore. They are Mm -hmm. like, because you know, everyone's got 30 different versions of their IPA now. So good luck finding just the IPA one. Uh, but if I was going to be looking for something like that, it's probably I am having like some heavy duty, greasy, cheap food, mm, you know, mm-hmm. where like I just mm-hmm. need something to like, you know, bad pizza because yep. I still like bad pizza. Bad pizza is still tasty yep. if it's like fairly fresh out of the yep. oven. Yeah, it's got its place uh, for sure. Exactly. And so if I'm doing something like that, though, it's like, oh, wow, this is like. Grease and cardboard are largely kind of what's happening here as the mm-hmm. dominant undertones. Yeah, you know, let's go ahead and uh, punch myself in the mouth with some yeah. resin and some uh, bitters. That yeah. you know, again, for something really greasy, I feel like it would play for me. I don't know that it would play better than a hazy would. I think some of the brightness would probably be nice on that, but my yeah. thing is, at that point, I feel like the at that point, I feel like the food's going to be dragging the beer down. Yeah, it's it's so specific. Like it, I, it's I important think, to hit it at the same level, right? You know? I always think of Dragoon, uh, that IPA oh, from yeah, yeah. What was it Crooked Tooth in Tucson or something? That everybody says is it Crooked Tooth? I don't know. It's what it's a Tucson brewery. I think so. Yeah, but uh, either way, it's like everybody says this is like the best. West Coast IPA in Arizona, like this is the one that the brewers are like, this one is really good. And I had it with pizza and it's awesome. And then I was like, okay, I'll have one of those. And I was like, oh man, nope. Where's the pizza? I need something to compete yep. with this thing. Man, it's too much. But a hazy, I can I can screw with a little bit, you know, like, but just like a straight up mm-hmm. West Coast, man. Like I, I've just gotten to where, and, you, and you, you're right. I haven't really thought about it. There's they're kind of hard to come by nowadays. They now, instead of calling them East coast IPAs or uh, what was it? New England or whatever. Now they're yeah. just hazies. And so now everybody right. is doing them and it's not a regional thing. Like it kind of started out with, it's interesting how that trend changed. It is, it is. And I, but I think part of what it is, is that, you know, for so long in the craft brew scene, it was like, everyone was just doing an IPA mm-hmm. uh, and our, our, I, I would say the consumer's palate in general has just become so uh, – it's so easy now to kind of distinguish when there is something other than hops there and when there's mm-hmm. not because we've been having not, so many of them. Yeah, it's not novel. And it's like, ah, you know what? This one-trick pony, it's still not bad. But hey, here's one that does that trick and like three others. Right. And all of them better than this. Exactly. So, And that kind of is, uh, is a nice segue right into – my beers that I had was the New Belgium sampler pack, which I assume okay. was a sampler pack because it was like they kept giving me these random New Belgium beers. And I was like, why do you have so many different versions of a New Belgium? Like, I was like, this had to be a sampler pack because nobody just goes and buys those. It's either that or you've it. got 14 cases of different New Belgium in the house. And that yeah, just doesn't seem like a move anyone would make. Didn't make sense. So they had like a, a Summer Bliss. Tropical wheats, uh, the 
the Voodoo Ranger 1985 IPA and the Mountain Time Premium Lager. And so I guess more of just like reviewing the New Belgium thing altogether because they do Fat Tire, right? Yep. That was one of yep. those ones. Fat that Tire like, was kind of their entryway into like the the sort of national consciousness. Yeah, you know, because like I got Boston Lager and then I had a Fat Tire and I was like, okay, yeah, you know, like it's like one of those early beers that you have and you're like, yeah, these are good. These don't suck. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of as far as I've gotten with New Belgium is that, you know, like these are good, you know, they don't suck, but it's it's never just like, man, this is so good. It, I, like I, in drinking them, I just don't know that I would put them above Sierra Nevada. They're on that large scale craft beer, but like, are they better mm. than Sierra Nevada? I don't know. I don't. I think Sierra Nevada does some really good stuff. Sierra Nevada is like my benchmark for like the national beer that's really good. Sure. You know, like, because I've had some Sierra Nevada stuff that is really good. Oh um, yeah. But I, you know, I don't know. Like, it was okay. You're not gonna go wrong with it. You know, that's the thing. But like, I wasn't. I wasn't wowed. I remember the last time I had Fat Tire. I wasn't wowed. You know, like. I don't know. Good, but it's one of those things. It's kind of it's kind of a sad experience, though. You mm-hmm. know, like I mean, on the one hand, it's like kind of cool to know that you know we're, we're developing our tastes a little bit more and moving on. But like, I had kind of a similar thing a long time ago, where I remember when I had first started like drinking beers and having enough kind of leeway in my spending that it didn't have to be, you know, the the mm-hmm. massive ones. I really liked Newcastle as like mm-hmm. a, a brown ale or whatever. I thought it was great. And that lasted for like a couple of years where it was like, that was my special occasion thing. Like, okay, mm-hmm. cool. I'm going to go get a sixer of this. But man, you know, a couple of years later, I went back and got one as like a special occasion thing, picked it up. And it's like, this is just kind of nothing. Yeah. And it is. It's one of those things like on the one hand. Okay. So I'm drinking better stuff than I had been before. And so that's good news. At the same time, I wish that I had never figured it out. Yeah. I wish that I had yep. never gone back to it at that time. Dude, that's the truth. It's like when you're a kid and you remember that thing that was so big and so amazing and so, and then you go back and see it as an adult and you're like, dang it. Like now it's ruined because now I see it for what it is. I like, I should have just left my childhood imagination memory of it <laughs> And never gone back to that place and ruined it. You or know, like, like not go back until you've got little kids with you who can be overwhelmed and then you can yes, kind of be feeding exactly. off of that like. Exactly. But yeah, no, absolutely, man. That's I've got so many movies that are on that list of I'm not going to go back and watch them. And it's not because they're horribly inappropriate, although some of them probably are. But for a lot of them, it's more just about, no, I love that movie and I love quoting that movie. Yeah. But I remember enough of that movie to be convinced that it's probably not actually great. Right. And that, like, yeah. if I watched it now, there would be three things that I really laughed at and the rest would be yep. sitting like, oh, yeah, your suspension of disbelief would be ruined. And then you would start seeing all the all the problems. Exactly. I, I, I don't I don't want to I don't want to ruin a good story with the truth. Yes. Which is a nice segue with, uh, you know. Uh, Tate, that's kind of the truth of, of that situation. So, uh, how familiar are you with him? 
Um, I'll be honest, man. Like I knew literally nothing about him when I saw that you had posted it as like a, a pod topic idea. I went on like, you know, doing, you went down the rabbit hole a, a little bit. Like okay. I, I kept myself from diving too deep in it because yeah. uh, some of it was depressing. Yeah. Um, it's wacky, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and just kind of a, one of those guys who like, he's, he might not be a bad person. But from a um, marketing perspective, he's realized there's a lot of advantage to being one. And there's some evidence that he might be a bad person. Yeah, I was going to say there's a lot I don't, of it. I actually. don't think we can take take that out of the equation fully. No, 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 no. Absolutely. But yeah. So, But it would be worth – it's a character that's worth being aware of because of his influence sure. over young men right now. And yes. you being in high school. Uh, like I'm kind of surprised that the young men haven't like brought – especially since he's dabbling – or not dabbling but like – commenting on the religious sphere uh like i wouldn't be surprised if again like if it comes up like it would be interesting to to be prepared for the young men to have sure you know i I will say i think probably demographically he's not like gonna hit with a whole lot of uh my kids the ones who i have that's fair there's not a ton of crossover but no like so i'm i'm teaching at uh i'm teaching summer school um at a different high school this summer. And like, yeah, you know what? Honestly, the, um, the pseudo political, pseudo philosophical, pseudo traditional, there's a lot of pseudos there mm-hmm. that like are very appealing to certain, uh, mindsets. Really. Yeah. Like when, when young men are trying to figure out who they are, uh, some of the branches off of that as they're going through that process, some of the things he taps into a lot of them. Yeah. And there's nobody else doing it. Well, there are other people doing it, but they're not quite as loud as him. There's only a few yeah. of them that are actually doing it. And only one that I know of that's doing it well. Um, but he had some interesting comments. I listened to some of it and I listened to some of the, so he was just arrested recently for, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, whatever it was. They said they had no, whatever. He was arrested. He's been released. And in that process, so like he was a big atheist and then he Mm -hmm. became an Orthodox Christian. And then throughout his like being arrested and the process and all of that, like he came out of prison as a Muslim basically. And so now he's like a video that popped up all of a sudden, like not long after he had been, in an interview talking about the money that he gave to his Orthodox church. Mm-hmm. Then there was a video of him like praying in a mosque. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So which that led the to questions transition just happened. Yeah. And you know, again, like I don't put any stock in these celebrity religious things at all, but his comments, he, he made some comments because he was doing an interview with the value guys who are Christian or the main guy is Christian. And so he was asking him about that transition and it was kind of a, like one of the few, it was a, one of those like painfully justified rationales in that he was sitting there looking at the Christian church and how it's constantly mocked and how people are disrespecting it and doing all kinds of terrible symbols of Christ and all of these things. Like it is 
just a laughing stock, basically, is you know, some of his words, but the way that it's mm-hmm. ridiculed publicly. And then he was looking at the Muslim world who like has they do a much better job and and though I don't know that the way they do it is what I agree with, but they do do a better job of maintaining social uh, values is what he said. You know, like they, they the, the yeah. orthopraxy, right? Like they maintain the rules, so, social rules, and they defend them most of the time violently. But like they asked him about the people who like uh, drew the picture of the prophet Muhammad, right? And they're like, why do they not mock the prophet like they do Christ and his comment was they don't you know his comment was they don't they can't handle the smoke right the heat that comes from it they nobody wants it and though I the reality of it is yes nobody wants the response that comes from the Muslim world when you do something like that because it's not a uh, civil discourse well and, and even and even when it is but like, even when it is to to kind of his point, even when it is, even when it's like, just like protest and outcry, like it is widespread and it is like with one voice they're crying mm-hmm. out for it to stop. Yeah, you know, like, um, so even yeah, absolutely. When you get to like the uh, extreme kind of militant mm-hmm. parts of it, absolutely, that's entirely accurate as well. That there is a level of uh, fear that goes along with the idea mm-hmm. of mocking Islam, but there's also th- there is also like quite frankly in the capitalist West, you know, you can guarantee that you will lose a not insignificant share of the market completely and totally by doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, like if if you are associated with something that puts forward an image of the prophet, whether it's mocking or not, because it is like verboten. Yeah, they're iconoclastic. You don't, you don't do yeah. an image, period. Exactly. Right. Uh, and so, like, even if it was a respectful one, it wouldn't be because you can't respect the prophet and make an image of him. Mm-hmm. And, like, you're not getting that percentage of the population back. There, mm-hmm. There is no, you know, you're, you're done here. Right. And... With Christianity, there's not that yeah. at all. And that that struck a chord with me. Now, we're seeing it more. I feel like we're seeing Christianity get a little bit louder in because like the abortion and transgender stuff has gotten louder. And as mm-hmm. you know, and Christianity has gotten louder in some of these things too. But just the the idea that Christianity is so mocked and disrespected that, you know, like, why does nobody fear the God of Christianity? Not Christianity, not like, because I, I want to make that distinction, because they, they fear mocking the prophet because of Islamic terrorism, right? Like, that's... Let's be real. Let's call it that, what that's it is. One of the that well, not all. That's one of the massive ones, though. That's absolutely. one of the massive ones, right? And so, like, let's take it out of that, and it's just like, let's go Old Testament here and be like, why do people not fear the God of Israel? Like, why is it? Why does everybody look at Christ and be like, I can make fun of this guy? And you're like, two in the Trinity, kind of a big deal. 
maybe you shouldn't, you know, like, yeah. But again, here's the thing. And, and this is where like that separation becomes really difficult that you're talking about. Because I understand why we would want to separate it, because we're certainly not looking to call for Christian terrorism. Right. I mean, it, it's not a thing that never happens already, and it's certainly not a thing that should be happening mm-hmm. at all. But, like, so I understand wanting to separate it, but at the same time, the, the reason people don't do things to mock Islam isn't because of some, like, profound respect for Allah it's a fear of his followers and how they'll respond, whether that's a violence or a capital or a PR loss or whatever, like a, to yeah. whichever scale, depending on what yeah. their problem is. And I think, you know, that's so that's one part of it. But the other part of it, too, is that, well, looking at the Old Testament and the prophets and then looking at Jesus. Yeah, he. He signed up for being mocked. Yeah. Like that was going to be one of his calling cards. Yeah. You know, that, like that's how that's how you would recognize the son of man. That's, you know. Yeah. I kind of see and that like, as like almost like a testament to it, too, because like, why is he the only one that seems to be picked on by everybody? You know, like you're looking at it and be like, well, if everybody's pointing at him, you know, an ugly finger at him, be like, Friggin' everyone is pointing at him. Like that isn't that a form of validation? Like, doesn't that seem to edify you a little bit that like you know? Yeah, no, no. Like, I mean, he's so Christianity is by far the largest religion on the planet. Mm-hmm. So, like the there's there is that. So you would think well, there's more Christians than there are Muslims. And so if you're worried about this section of the population that's this size, why wouldn't you be more concerned about this section of the population that's so much bigger? Mm-hmm. But one of the things that happens when things get bigger is that it's a lot harder to maintain unity. And, you know, like yeah. in the, in, no, in the Muslim right. world, let's not pretend that there's unity there either. No. Because no, there definitely but there are isn't. certain certain tenants that like you said that are like yes one yes yeah and they are able to um they're able to direct their rage a little bit mm-hmm. more easily um and i i'm kind of stuck on the phrasing there a little bit that's the only thing i can come up with because the the thing is it's not like sunni and shia come together to work against the uh, common enemy that they have of right. the right. the Western world. No, but they'll they'll leave each other alone so that they can both go after these ones. There's no yeah. cooperation, right. Um, right? And with Christianity, I, you know, in part just because of how massive we've gotten and how um, fractured we've yeah. become, there are. There are a lot of things where a lot of Christians from different denominations work together on. No doubt about it. There are those things. But even within the Christian communities, the ones who are, you know, going to ally together on issues of like uh, pro-life stuff in terms of 
abortion are not the same ones who they'll be working against each other when you start moving from abortion into broader pro-life and into like death penalty stuff or into uh euthanasia stuff yeah or yeah you know like there's not we, darn it you totally prob- like pooped on my good example i was gonna be like yeah but a good like one good example is that like abortion has really started to unify a christian voice against this but it, like you just said though but it's against this one specific thing but that doesn't mean that you're wrong, that it's not branching into other things. It's just that it's a reasonably new process. Yeah. You know, and it's in part because there's been success on that front. You know, like, look, let's let's not kid ourselves. The Western world, we're a lot of front runners. Mm-hmm. Like we are. Uh, I mean, look, we're soft. Mm-hmm. Like. The West has been riding high a really long time. And so there is a, uh, you know, when we talk about things like in elections, people who vote based on who they think will win rather than based on who they think is the best candidate. Yeah. You know, uh, when we when we're having discussions like it still becomes about like winning an argument, even when Mm -hmm. it's just a casual discussion. Um, and if someone makes a good point, for the most part, our reaction isn't, oh, you know, that's, that's good. I need to sit and chew on that. It's, well, this conversation's done. So I'm going to say something to like really just escalate things. I'm going right. to throw my hand grenade into the middle of the room and then run out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, I, part of it is, is just that, is that like, okay, cool. So we've actually seen some success here after, decades of like being told oh well we elected this person who's going to put these people on the supreme court bench and that means this is going to change and it not happening and like not even really there being like incremental steps and successes on a federal level like there were state laws that were being passed and that was encouraging mm-hmm. but like in terms of anything that was going to hold up under the Supreme Court, like there hadn't been any incremental gains. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, we'll strike it. You know? And so mm-hmm. now there's this success and this rallying point that's bringing people yeah. into it and bringing people together. And yeah. so there is some of that. But again, where's the commitment at? And where, like the co- commitment level, like mm-hmm. where is the, uh, and then like, What's the next step? Because that's the other thing is like as much as I was talking about we're soft from having been riding high for so long. I think a lot of us as Christians have kind of gotten used to being punching bags anyway, such that when we have something go our way, we hadn't really planned on that. Didn't think about that happening. And so we're not really clear on what our next step is. Yeah. And so I feel I, I, I think that's right. And I think there's. I don't know, maybe two types of those Christians. And there's, there's the one where it's like, uh, you know, the world is going to hell in a handbasket. Just let it burn, you know, type of a thing. And I, I probably tend to fall into the camp more often than, than not. Um, and then there's the one that, that is more of like, well, you know, like use the system, you know, like it's the devil system. I'm just using it type of a thing, mm-hmm. you know, like, and so like you kind of get this weird, um, What's the word I'm trying to think of? Like, like 
carelessness. Like, like you just don't like, you're kind of aloof yeah, to the world or, or aloof is a good way to put it. I think. I don't know. But, but there, like, there's just like, yeah, you're disconnected from it and the meaning of these things. And I feel like, um, Christianity is more like that. And that's where you kind of get the watered down or the lukewarm or like all the criticism that the Christian church has received in America for the last, as long as I can remember is just that like, nobody can tell that you're different than the world. You know, why is that? Why? You know, like type of a thing. And that's because like Muslims are different. You know that they're not part of the the system. When we say the world, you know, like they're not a part, they have a different authority and they don't friggin' answer to you at all. You know what I mean? And and so like they are separated. Don't get, don't get too strong. on. No, 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 no. But like, like, but if you push them, they'll push back a lot sooner. You know what I mean? Well, no, I, I was going to say, I think, again, part of it is, um, you know, back when we were first getting started on this and we were both listening a lot to um, Catching Foxes, mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that they said a lot that still sticks with me, even though it's been a long time since I've checked in on those guys, one of the things they talked about a lot was this, like, false assumption that a lot of Christians in America have where we still think about us as living in a Christian country mm-hmm. when realistically we live in a post-Christian society. Right. Like there yeah. is a lot of kind of going along with your point for a lot of Christians, there's confusion about like our political system versus our religious beliefs. That's probably a third one that, in, that in, is, in their head. Yeah. In their head, they're tied together. And so yeah. even if it's like, uh, even if they're not like fully like, uh, Republican is my religion. Like I'm a I'm a Christian, therefore I'm yep. Republican, or I'm Christian, yep. therefore I'm Democrat, because of whichever pet issue they've the decided. Evangelical that, vote. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Whichever one they've decided that matters to them. And you know, that's part of living in this country is figuring that out. Mm-hmm. But even if they're not like completely and totally identifying their religion with their vote, there is still this like kind of confusion about, oh, well, you know, our system is built on these Christian foundations. It's a mm-hmm. Christian system. And so there's a lot of confidence that they can work through that system. Mm, and to a certain extent, that's not wrong. It's you not can wrong. work through the system to an extent. But, yeah. like, fair. It, it is still, going back to the things we've talked about on a lot of the podcasts recently, it's still our system that we're asking God to cooperate with as opposed to the other way around. Correct. Yeah. Like if I'm following God, then there will be times where there are things that are provided for in the system that I can use in my following of God. Right. That's a very different thing than me telling God, look, God, I know this is a thing that we need to work on. So I need you to tell me which one of these uh, political parties or which one of these politicians or which one of these uh, grassroots movements you're going to use to do this so that I can put my vote there. Like that's, that's a different thing. That's us telling God to be an American as opposed to Mm -hmm. uh, us saying I'm God's. Yeah. I like that. That that's an, that's an interesting point. And to be honest, like the system is built on the quote unquote Judeo Christian value. Like all of our, everything is built on the, all of the precepts are built on like, the sanctity of life and the, all of the concepts of the, the human value come from Judeo-Christian. So, um, but I mean, so heading into life lessons, I think 
with me, all of the stuff that's kind of come up and talking about it is really like what you were just alluding to there was that our identity is with Christ first and then our actions should support that. So like whether that's voting or that's buying or that's living or that's teaching your kids, whatever like you're going on. Um, one of the examples I, I think of was this, this author was like when they're doing like a pride day at a baseball game, they're like, well, would you do a Christian day at a baseball game? And the person was like, yeah, I would, because that's just something that people identify as. And I was like, hang on, you're confusing Christianity with just a social structure or a social group. Like, it's not that. It's different, and we need to act that way. Like, I would not advocate, like, still Christian, right? Like, never advocating violence, but there should be something that shows that we're set apart, right, and that we answer to God first, and then authority second, you know, as part of our response to Christ, really. Yes, absolutely. No, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And in the guy who made the comment, yes, I would, because that's a like, to be fair, that's not on him. That's on the person who asked the question. Mm-hmm. Like, by asking that question, you have equated those two. Yeah. You know, uh, but you're right. It needs to be different. For me, uh, and this was like kind of my underlying frustration the more and more I looked into uh, Andrew Tate and like what he said and his reasoning behind it and everything. He, we've, we have a tendency to lose sight of the truth because we get focused on a lot of pragmatic things. Mm. Like, it, I think it's really telling that when he was asked about why he left Christianity for Islam, it had nothing to do. Well, his answer right. didn't say anything about like faith in God or any kind of teachings or anything or like that. Truth or reason or it anything. Was, yeah. yeah. No, it wasn't yeah. about what was true. It was about, honestly, and this ties back into why, like you said earlier, we don't want to dismiss the fact that he's probably also just not a good person uh, based on a lot of the choices he's made. Uh, but like he picked. Islam because it fits the rest of his brand about being super brash and super unapologetic about like things will be my way because they will be my way. It was nothing about like an internal conversion Mm -hmm. or some recognition of God that hadn't been there for him in Christianity. It was, oh no, you know, I just, I think Islams do a better job of living a badass lifestyle than Christians do. Mm-hmm. Well, and to be fair, like it is true, we as Christians, part of our evangelization has to be that like there's something about our lives that is appealing to people. Right. But that's not the ultimate root of it. Yeah. Like that that should be flowing out of our recognition of what's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so like for me as the life lesson, not long way to, to get here, but like for me, the life lesson is like. Don't lose sight of truth. Like, that that's what mm-hmm. matters. Like, my goal for my beliefs is not that they will make me successful. My goal for my beliefs is that they will be true. Yeah. Because if my beliefs are true, then there will be impacts from that. Yeah. If my beliefs are based on what I think will 
make me successful or give me an appropriate image or things like that, then I'm going to find out I've guessed wrong almost every time. Right. And we don't have time for me to go through the laundry list, but I do have examples. If anyone would like them, feel free. Send us an email. (laughs) Let me know. I'll, I'll respond with a few. But yeah, no, like we've got to start off by finding what's true. And then all of our decisions are based on that and that alone. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. I, I remember I talked to Robbie Lashua and that was his approach was I'm going to focus on truth and go where it takes me. If it takes me away from Christianity, yeah. then so be it. But guess what? It ended up driving him further down. Like it was more about exactly. truth because Christ is the truth. Yeah. I like it. And you know, when you're seeking truth, it is an exhausting path and you need some coffee to help you get down that road. So we would love to provide that coffee for you. We would love to be your coffee roaster. Uh, hop on the Inkledew shop at Inkledew.com. Order a couple bags. We roast it fresh. Ship it right to you. Um, and that's how you support these meaningful conversations. Got anything else on your brain there, man? Not a thing. Right on, right on. With that, we will say adieu. Adieu.